Welcome, everyone. This is the Virtually Church Podcast, a podcast dedicated to thinking more deeply about the differences and values between church and technology. I'm Taylor Mason, and I'm hosting this podcast alongside Jordan Mason and Jeremy Hall. This is episode eight, and this is our final episode. We began this podcast saying we're going to do a limited series of eight episodes, and we have made it. If you are listening to this episode and have not gone back and listened to any of the other episodes, we would encourage you to stop right now, give it a pause. You can come back, but go back and listen to episodes one through seven because it's building up our framework. We're talking to great people like David Gushy. We have Dr. Jeff Bishop from SLU there, Ben Garrett, uh, Matthew Vandegriff. And there's a few episodes where we're breaking down some of those conversations afterwards. So it's a great thing. Um, It will give you the language for this final podcast. But today, what we're going to be doing is we are really breaking down um, the content of what we're doing and casting a vision uh, for the future. Uh, This is just our vision for the future of church and technology. Um, It's a constructive vision, but it's not final. And we hope that our ideas will spark your ideas so that as you are a church member or maybe a minister working in a church, you can cast your own vision for your church because that's really important. And that's our goal is as long as you're thinking more deeply about um, these two, um, you know, church values and technology values and casting a vision forward, uh, we're happy. And we're glad that you have been sticking with us these past seven episodes and this final episode too. So we hope you'll enjoy the conversation um, that we're going to finish up on. So how we've structured this last uh, podcast or th- this last episode is we, all Jordan, myself, and Jeremy are going to do a little bit of constructive visioning and how we see our conversation connected with the church. So um, Jordan. Uh, we're going to have you go first. So will you start us off? Sure. So I thought we could go back to the beginning for a second and just ask, what is technology? And we talked about in the first maybe two episodes that technology is not just the gadgets that we use, but technology is a mode of revealing. So technology is a way of seeing the world. And if you think about the word itself, technology, it literally, like you can break it down into the logic of techne. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a helpful way to think of it. The logic of technique, techne, a way of thinking and seeing that is attuned to usefulness, productivity, efficiency, efficacy, those types of values. And so we also said that humans are technological creatures. Like there's evidence that our frontal lobe developed when we started using tools, right? (laughs) So this logic of techne is actually part of who we are. And, um, And so that's not a bad thing and it's not something that we can avoid. We can't stop using tools and technologies. Uh, but Christians are technological creatures who are being transformed by the spirit of God to think and see differently. Hmm. And so God calls us to work for a redeemed world where relationships are primary. And this is part of what we tried to get across in the incarnation episode, um, that relationships in this kingdom of God are primary, not usefulness or efficiency or those other technological values. And so how can we, how can we look at technology and analyze it with those values uh, informed by the spirit of God instead of by the logic of techne. So I would like to suggest that there might be a different way for Christians to analyze technology than the way the world analyzes it. So for instance, technology assessment usually goes like this. What's the new technology? Does it work? Is it cost-effective? What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? Do the benefits outweigh the drawbacks? If so, we should use it. If not, we should not use it. So kind of like, what's the technology? Uh, Self-driving cars. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos on. We Uh have to make sure it works. Is it safe? We have to make sure it's safe. Is it cost effective? Yeah. 
And then, okay, then let's do it. What are the benefits? It. What are the dangers? Uh, the dangers are uh, it might crash into someone. Mm -hmm. The benefits are it's actually safer than people actually driving cars because uh, the car is never distracted while the human could be on the phone. Right, right. Um, and if you realize all those problems have technological solutions, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's not safe enough, we can make it safer. We can uh, program it better. So these questions are already within the logic of techne. Mm. They're already assuming that we have the values of efficiency, efficacy, uh, productivity, those types of things. Yeah. So I wonder if the church can evaluate its use of technology according to its values, which is what we talked to David Geshe about, the kingdom values. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to read a quote. I know, cheesy, but there's <laughs> this moral theologian named Brian Brock, who I love, and I highly suggest everyone, if you're interested in this topic and you want to learn more about what we've been talking about, he has a book called Christian Ethics in a Technological Age. And it's very academic, but it's also, I think, accessible and I think worth slogging through. On a side, if anyone knows Brian Brock is uh, this author, we did reach out to him and try to get him on the podcast. So selfless, uh, selfless plug right <laughs> wow. here. Brian if Brock. he ever gets back to us, maybe we'll have a season two. <laughs> or maybe we'll have a special, uh, episode. A special episode. There's room uh, for additional content if it's so desired. Yeah, right. so if you're listening and you know Brian Brock, or if you are Brian Brock, man, if Brian Brock <laughs> is listening to this, that'd be awesome. From Australia. Reach out to right. us, virtuallychurch at gmail.com, and we'd love to have you on. All right, sorry, Jordan. So he's his work is brilliant, but here's a quote. The church can only appear hypocritical if it does not frankly admit that it has often and miserably failed to question the way the problem of technology has been framed in our age. And so refused to conceive its service to the world in positive terms. It has known too much, being unprepared to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so it has clung to Jesus Christ alongside thoughts that set themselves against him. As a result, it has consistently failed to challenge the story of technological progress. It has capitulated to the spirit of fear regret, and second-guessing that is built into a cost-benefit morality mm. that must continually revisit its decisions to see if the balance has shifted and a course reversal is called for. Its blindness is not due to a lack of resources, but because it has embraced ethics, quotes, in quotes, ethics, rather than seeking the transformation of dwelling in the presence of God. And so... Well, that sounds pretty harsh. I think, I mean, to me, what it says is, hey, like we're called to better and more and we have a different way of seeing the world. And so if we just jump right back into the logic of techne without being critical about it, right, can then we, we're not being the church. Yeah. Can can you help me think through, like use that quote and use what Brian Brock is saying to would the example of the debate over the church is not the building argument work? Like there's a lot of this moment of being online. A lot of people are like, finally, we're not spending all of this time like debating or investing all of this money or deciding whether or not we need to upgrade the AC unit versus give to the poor or whatever. Is mm -hmm. it, is, does that quote relevant to a conversation like that? Maybe it's not. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the spirit behind some of these conversations. Okay. Because I think there's a way in which people say that and they really mean like they mean that story of technological progress. They mean like, oh, we're finally in the 21st century yes. as the church. Like we're finally embracing these technologies. And and I I think there can be some good ways that we're expanding the kingdom and our values through those technologies. But if it's framed as progress is automatically good mm. and it's always technological, then that's problematic, right? Because we as the church are people whose desires and loves should be directed toward the kingdom and not toward power and progress. Because sometimes technological progress might get in the way of kingdom value progress yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just processing the quote and through, like I'm, <laughs> I'm working through it too. And it, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. So here's another little thing that he said is that God's call to us is always particular to our place and time and our situation. So we can't, as Christians, just step back. And this is what he's saying as far as clinging to ethics. We can't just step back and say, oh, here's the principles, here's the rules, um, and then deploy them. Like, no, we have to, in each situation, have some discernment and embrace a posture of reflection to listen and expect the Holy Spirit to speak to us about these new decisions. And he says, waiting for God to, or we should be waiting for God to reveal to us the neighbor obscured by our schemes, plans, and mechanical manipulations. Wow. So really what's primary in the kingdom for us is, and and this is an incarnational value, is like relationships. And if our technology is enabling and expanding relational connection, then that's one way, I think, to evaluate technology that's not cost benefit. Yeah, that's great. There, um, I can confirm, I, I've been Googling over here, there are three active robot priests in the world. <laughs> Two of them are Buddhists, and one of them is Catholic. Um, is that real? Yes. In Japan, there are two Buddhist temples where you can meet with a robot as your, um, like guide. Yeah. Well, for like your meditation guide and spiritual development, you can go talk to a robot who's got all of the best ethics built into him and all the prayers and all the recordings and all the scriptures. And there's, there is a, this one is from Digital Trends from March. It's a disembodied uh, face that has been given every Catholic prayer that they have recorded and all of the canticles and the whole of scripture and all of the encyclicals and like everything important. And that face, (laughs) yep, all of the importance and that face will craft a prayer for you and pray it over you with you giving it the input of here's what I think I need prayer for. And it will craft you a, there's big scary quotes here. Perfect Whoa. prayer. Wow. Um, Is it tapped into like brain scans too? So they can tell if you're doing meditation correctly. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> and is there so a ridiculous. fee or is it free? I hope there's a fee. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, I know that the Buddhist ones are active in Japan and I assume you can go to them. I didn't read those articles, but I went looking for the face with the like entirety of Catholic tradition in its AI mm. data bank. Wow. And it will just craft and sing prayers over you. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't not want that around, but I also wouldn't want that to be like... Wait, you wouldn't want that no, around? I think I think having access to prayers all in one place seems like a great thing. <laughs> That's a very techno desire, right? Have it all in one place. Have a all convenience place, store. Exactly. That's the efficiency. An Amazon of Versus spirituality. Sitting in my office trying to look through all the the books the and books find and, the right yeah. prayer. Yeah, it's so much work. Alexa, pray for deliverance. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Praying for deliverance. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry, we're getting no, we're but, on a tangent, but, but yeah. no, I, I've got a question about those because if they can potentially, so what they're trying to say, the people making them, is that the the technological values of its efficacy and its uh, far, it can hold more than your brain can. Mm-hmm. It's got more information than your bookshelf does, um, and it doesn't get it wrong. It doesn't mispronounce. It doesn't use the wrong words. It doesn't inject its own theology. It just does the thing that it's going to be producing something pure and desirable that, yeah, Taylor's shaking his head, and it makes me feel really creepy, but it feels like that could sneak past uh, some Mm -hmm. of the barriers, except maybe the creep factor. Um, I don't want to be anointed by a robot. Um, but it would do the anointing ceremony perfectly. 
Right. But see, that's again, like that comes up against the values of, or not values, but just the fact of like particularity, right? In our faith that God needs and wants you as who you are to minister to the people in your congregation, not a disembodied mental, you know, I have everything stored in my brain kind of version of you. And that goes back to our conversation with Matt um, as a senior pastor saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not watering down or making my language generic so that it preaches across all states and countries online so everyone can connect to it. I'm preaching to a specific community with a language and a culture mm-hmm. that is particular to that group. And if other people want to be a part of that or watch that, that's great, but we're not changing the way that who we are, or how I communicate uh, based on this new techne of doing worship or preaching. Yeah. I mean, I think it's too easy in a way to, yeah. you know, to step back and say, this is for all time. This is everything you need to know. Mm. There's a lot of particular, there's things that change depending on the situation that God wants to tell us. Particularity is, I don't think that's a virtue we've talked about enough. That's, that's a value to, to ponder upon. Yeah. I think um, our friend Paul talks about it as the scandal of particularity, (laughs) that Jesus Jesus came into the world in a certain body in a certain time and place that was like politically charged. I mean, it was a, it was a different time. And is it important that, excuse me, is it important that he came in a Middle Eastern male body or not? You know, like that's the scandal of particularity that, that God became incarnate in a particular time and not for all time. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a Netflix show on that, right? Someone like recreated if what if a Messiah oh. or Jesus like figure came in today's age in America, but he's like yeah. a Middle Eastern dude, like going around and doing miracles and how that would change. Uh, yeah, I sorry, think that's I just saw the preview yeah, for that Messiah. show and it looks like it looks very earnest. It doesn't look to be like a funny show at all. No. It looks like very serious. Yeah. A counterpart to that is in. The late 90s, one of the Christian movie studios, which means it was bad, um, (laughs) made a movie called The Joshua Project, I think is what it was called. I had every one of these movies. I was Bible man for Halloween once, like maybe twice. I know my evangelical subcultures over here. Um, And I watched The Joshua Project multiple times in which Jesus comes for the first time, um, but it's in... 1995 Midwestern United States and the they're like and he's in some small town and eventually the this like police crucify him mm-hmm. um, yeah. but it was super cheesy and super silly and they made him homogenous with he was a white dude he was a white dude in a white place with white enemies and white allies and it de-scandalized a lot of the story and did not try to like, he's, he's in a, the rust belt kind of like there's a mill that doesn't run anymore and everyone's out working. He's still talking about sheep, um, whatever. But yeah, people <laughs> yeah. have, people have thought about these things yeah. and we haven't always been good about it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, A couple more things I want to say before I pass it off. So um, let's see, where was I? So I was talking about um, waiting for God to reveal to us the neighbor obscured by our schemes, plans, Mm -hmm. and mechanical manipulations. And I think that, you know, one thing that I really enjoyed um, us talking about on this podcast has been the power of technology to shape not just our minds, but our bodies. Um, not that they're separate, but to shape all of us. And um, so understanding that, you know, it's important that the church should be continuously wary of their own modes of power, our own modes of power, the way that we try to capture power and technologically manipulate the situation um, and perpetually be ready to give those modes of power away, right? To resist the temptation 
for technology to become things that we love or to mm-hmm. our way of doing things to become what we love rather than conduits of love or ways of like increasing relational connection as I guess as the ends instead of the means, right? And so one question that, you know, I thought, and you guys can tell me what you think about this, is what if Christians in analyzing technology always ask, how does this technology embody love for others? Hmm. Like as a starting point, how does it embody love for others? Um, instead of asking, does it work? Is it cost effective? And all those other questions. Oh, yeah. I, I think um, so. Take the live streaming technology, right? A lot of people, almost everyone is live streaming or doing some form of video recording worship. You can absolutely use that question to help determine why you're doing it and whether or not you should. If you're asking, how does this embody love for others? Well, you could say we're doing live streaming because, um, or at least not for our church at Kirkwood, we originally did live streaming because there were multiple homebound members of our church that were not able to come Mm -hmm. physically to worship. And we wanted to provide them a way to connect with the songs and the sermon and the community that wasn't possible for them being in, in, in person. Mm -hmm. So if you ask that question, I would probably say, yes, this was created out of love for those people that are sitting at home and have not been to worship in months or years. And now they have a little, they have a connection that they didn't have before yeah. um, to what the community is doing. We're also tremendous yeah. liars. <laughs> and we lie to ourselves really well. Um, mechanical manipulations. I've got a quote from Kierkegaard on my wallet, eye level to the right, that says Christians are scheming swindlers of the <laughs> highest order. Um, if If we realize that all the eyeballs are going to TikTok, we could go start a TikTok ministry that we say is pursuing uh, spreading the love of Jesus when it might be us pursuing the love of eyeballs or um, the technology in its size and its expansion demanding that we use it. How, How do we... How can we know if what we're doing is actually, I don't know. Yeah, we, right. Because the, the tech yes. can make these demands of us, and mm-hmm. we might be so given to responding to tech demands that we don't even know our own motivation for it. And so it insists, you, Zoom says, you must use me for ministry. And so we say, we will use Zoom for ministry because we want to let people talk to each other and see each other. Yeah. But yes. maybe we haven't explored. And there's always the danger that we're slapping on. Oh, of course it embodies love for others. Mm-hmm. Of course it does. Um, when we've already made the decision regardless. And I, I think this is such an important point that the church, Christian ethics broadly, hasn't dealt well with this question. Because, you know, I, we haven't talked a ton about Heidegger on this podcast. But if you read Heidegger and you take him seriously, we're pretty... I don't want to say brainwash, but like we're pretty stuck in this logic of techne. It's pretty hard as humans to see clearly outside of it. And it's just sort of like the air that we breathe. And so can we just say, let's set aside this hat and, you know, take it off and then actually look at things through um, a different lens? I don't know. I mean, this is part of our I don't know, some people might say it's part of our fallenness or it's part it's part of the way that we as creatures think. So it's yeah. absolutely hard to hard to be sure that we can step outside of that even when we think we are. Yeah. Last it's time, cult- oh, go ahead. No, it's it's cultural. It's 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 a, a deep-rooted language that we don't have alternative language for, right? Like it's not like there's a large cultural part of us that have language that's different from technological language. Some folks were over at my house last night, and they were watching a TV show uh, featuring Zac Efron. He's still around, and he's ripped. Um, Anyway, uh, so Zac Efron goes to Costa Rica and visits 
this, you can only get there by boat commune of like hippies from California that decide to move to Costa Rica and live in a technologically free utopia that they would nice. build for themselves. Um, and so he's hanging out with these folks and he's telling us how amazing it is to be unplugged from technology while he's wearing a microphone and talking to a $10,000 camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just completely, completely blind. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that this, that just comes down to why we've wanted to do this podcast for people is just say, you know, we need alternative language to have these conversations and to think more deeply about it. Um, but it's really, really hard. And, um, if, if we're not out there wrestling with these ideas, we're just going to settle into the norm and be really comfortable and not think about anything that comes our way and just goes, yeah, of course, like it gets the job done. It's, it's like the tool that I need for the current moment and it mm -hmm. does it better than anything else. So of course I should use it. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. Are, I, I like to think of the liturgy as an anti-technological technology Ah. that as something that it is a technology in the sense that, you know, it's a tool to communicate meaning mm -hmm. and to change our minds and bodies and spirits and train us toward something. But it's anti-technological in the sense that there's not this clear line of progress and there is an embrace of difference. There's an embrace of um, even interruptions in some liturgies. There's like these stops and starts and you think you're off and then, oh, we're going to go back to sitting down again and listening, you know? And so yeah. like, I think, I mean, if there is hope for us to see outside of the logic of techne, I would start with these liturgical and sacramental experiences where, you know, we use the fact that we're technological creatures to form ourselves toward a different way of seeing. Yeah. Maybe fasting is a piece of that discovery. If, if you've ever done a, a sizable fasting period, traditional fast, like from food, the, the process is sort of craving. You do, the first day, if you're doing like a five-day fast, is you just, you want stuff. You are completely aware of the lack. And it is irksome and uncomfortable and seems, it seems at the start, completely pointless because the lack is the whole focus. But as you spend time in the lack, it starts to wane and you can reorient towards reconfiguring your desires. Maybe we need to do that with technology sometimes, but like we've, I've done like a lock in or something with kids and you take their phones and 12 hours will not do anything except be irksome and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. we need prolonged exposure to the lack in order mm -hmm. to recognize which parts we need and which parts we don't and what they were obscuring in us and in our world, and what they've illuminated that we continue to desire once the pain of the removal is over. Yeah. That is such a good idea. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. But I think it, it highlights to you, like, I don't think you're suggesting giving up all technologies, right? It's modern technologies, because there are, you know, old technologies like books, you know, there's these other forms of technology, but you know, some ethicists say like the difference between those older and then modern technologies is this um, kind of wielding of power. So this technological progress of like now technology is moving so quickly mm -hmm. that there's going to be a point where it's smarter than us. And it's just this inevitable incline of technological ways of being, whereas, you know, yeah, books don't necessarily have that tendency. Jordan, do you have uh, anything else you want to talk about for your your vision? Um, no. I mean, I think just to sum up, I wonder if, you know, the church can analyze their technology looking for ways that we can be interrupted 
and to disrupt the efficiency paradigm, Mm. looking for ways to embrace difference, looking for ways to, um, to find the neighbor and to find connection and love and then measuring our technologies up against those, those yardsticks. Jordan, that, uh, kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about for, you know, my vision going forward is, uh, I kind of have, I kind of have like four points that I wanted to get out. So I'm going to say the four points and then elaborate on. So one is I truly believe from this pandemic and the situation that we're in, um, I think the, the technological push in our world is saying, yes, we can replace humans, but Mm. I deeply believe we can't replace human interaction that, uh, from the feelings of my youth and their zoom fatigue to, um, you know, talking to a senior adult who hasn't seen a person in four months, human interaction is critical to what it means to be a human. And I hope as we move forward, when we're assessing the values of technology and the church, we never lose sight of the reality and the need for human interaction. Of course, there comes times where I believe we need to uh, limit human interaction for safety reasons like we're currently doing. But to come out of this pandemic or come out of this transition and just say, you know what, it's actually better if we don't do human interactions. <laughs> like let's create more systems where robot priests. Uh, yeah. Robot priests or we limit or we make it easier for people not to have human interactions, I think is problematic for the values of, you know, what we talked about last episode with the incarnation. Two, my vision for the church is that they don't lose sight of this conversation and that they're continually debating the use of technology against the val- or with and against the values of the church. So I, I hope that ministers and even church members, when they're in church leadership council meetings or they're in worship council meetings or they're in staff meetings, there's moments where we constantly pump the brake a little bit of our movement forward and progress forward in the church and just assess what we're doing and always bring with us and remember our values as the church and what that means. The two other things is I going into this podcast had a really strong sense of nostalgia where I was look I I, I was looking back to before the pandemic and had and I was almost romanticizing the reality and making it more than what it really was in the sense that, oh my gosh, when we were in person on Wednesday nights eating dinner, that was amazing. you know, (laughs) or like when we were just thinking of all the Wednesday nights, you've been texting me like, Hey, uh." (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 no. But you know, I see the values of, you know, having this dinner and hanging out with people and then moving on to Bible study and all of that. But there also were, but I've almost like glossed over and forgotten some of the, the, questions and conversations we were having about how could we make this more valuable or better for our church in a different way? Like how could we be innovative? And I fear some churches will just use this time that we've had a break towards our normal schedule. And then once it's all over with, just go back to the, for the sake of nostalgia of like, this was the, the highlight and the prime of the church. We need to go back to it directly. I don't think that's true anymore. I think Um, But this also comes to my final point, which is instead of just saying these new forms of technology and way we're connecting as a church is actually better than what was before. That may be true, but I hope that we as a church use that to assess and say, why was it that when we were in person, it was difficult to be vulnerable? Why was it when we were in person, it was, um, I was not longing to be there as much as I would be now to be able to turn on and have a nice cup of coffee while I watch worship. And can we keep the value of human interaction that is important to me and reimagine and be innovative to make that happen and learn some things that we've learned from the technology that we've been using right now 
and take that back and be more creative. Because I think if we just say, okay, well, Zoom's our solution. Now we're just being lazy because it's just a better solution than what was, but we're not really imagining and embracing. So I think that's important for me. Um, I, I want us to broaden our definition of technology to more than just computers. I guess this would be five points. Okay. Um, where we've talked a lot about Zoom or YouTube Live or cameras or all of this, but as Jordan mentioned, technology uh, is all encompassing. We've talked about the building itself, the sanctuary space, the stained glass windows the structure where the pulpit is positioned is a form of technology. We've talked about clothing. We've talked about hymnals. We've talked about symbols and images and the language that we use for our community as technology. And I hope that churches will start to think about all of those areas, not just critique whether or not we should incorporate Zoom after the pandemic in Sunday school, like you can either be on Zoom or you can be on Sunday school and we'll do it together. But also say, hey, let's let's assess our use of hymnals. Is that form of technology being effective to the values that we want? Let's assess our clothing or the type of robes we're wearing or the um or the way we're engaging and encouraging people to present themselves as a form of technology. How are our images of our you know, our logos or our uh, church sign or our message on our website going towards that value. Like what a great moment for us as the church to, to say, okay, we can look at all of this and really make some movement forwards. But my fear has always been that this is the moment where people go, this is the moment where we innovate and move forward. And technology fills that void immediately and says, here it is. Like Zoom is your answer. Uh, you know, uh, not having to go to church and preach on a Sunday morning, but doing that on Wednesday and recording it is your answer. The, um, you know, this recording it and, and having people watch it at any time is absolutely your answer. It's efficient, it's quick and easy, and it's exactly what you've wanted. And now that you're doing it online, you're in the 21st century and you're relevant. Mm -hmm. It's just re. Um, it's just putting on new clothing to like the old issues of for me personally, this idea of like numbers, like that's a big thing in the church. Like, Oh, we're not having enough people coming to the church and stuff. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of focus has been instead of on like, how are we transforming each other? It's always been like, we just don't have enough people in the pews. And now we have this technology that's like, Hey, now we got a lot of people in and, it's not, it hasn't addressed the issue of like, why aren't we thinking more holistically about our people in the church and the community and letting that be attractive and compelling to other people versus just how can we be the most attractive, like do the things that are most convenient and easy for people to be a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and that thinking like that puts, um, turns people into means rather than ends people are the humans are the fuel that we put into the machine of the church to make it go. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it's just, you know, when I hear people say, you know, I, I really like this new version of church because, you know, I've never been a big music person, so I can just skip to the sermon and it's great. <laughs> Someone told me or that this past week. Or vice versa, right? I'm not really a sermon person, so I can just listen and move forward. Like, oh my or gosh. I've heard, like, I can skip the children's sermon. Like, thank goodness, you know? Like, yeah. And <laughs> I know, I know. And maybe, maybe what that says, there's some truth to that that says, hey, maybe we need to assess, maybe we need to, if there's enough of that, if we're connected, what like Ben Garrett was saying, if we're communicating with our church members and asking them how they're being transformed and we're realizing we're missing a large chunk of people or there's a hole in what we're changing, maybe we need to hear that and actually make some serious changes. No, it's just that everyone's stupid but is, me. Is wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. And us as ministers are never right. But that's not to say that, well, the solution is like, we just do the same service, but allow people to skip it if they don't like it. Right. And that is my hope and vision is that 
this is a time where the church can be creative, can be innovative, um, but for the right reasons, for the poor, for the people in need, for the neighbor, for the church members that are there to transform them, to see justice in the world and so on, going on with those kingdom values. And maybe forms of tech may, well, obviously all forms of technology, as we've been saying, are going to be part of the solution, but maybe it's not what is most easily presented to us, or it's not what everyone is using, right? Just because everyone is on TikTok doesn't mean that TikTok is necessarily going to be your solution or not, or just because all of the youth pastors are using you know, Zoom for Sunday school means that Zoom is going to be your solution for Sunday school. And it all comes down for me that we're here to, like, the church is here to care for people. And when we start disembodying people and and not seeing people and realizing that they're human beings, like, in flesh human beings, like, uh, we're... Um, we're not caring for people anymore. Um, and, and so that's kind of my vision. I know I've kind of rambled on, uh, but that's something that I really hope for through this podcast. And if you're listening, what you're having conversations with, with your families or with your church and that we don't lose sight of that. And it can be exciting. It doesn't have to be sad. It can be really exciting what the next chapter looks like. Um, I just think it might look a little different than what everyone says it is, which is just like, oh, it's the church is moving online great what you were saying there at the end made me think of um the this story i heard somewhere about this dude named uh jesus and and jesus and some of his followers (laughs) are uh passing through a field and they get called out because the disciples are uh they're they're picking something to eat on the Mm -hmm. sabbath And, and these folks that are obsessed with the technology of the rules and the traditions Call them yeah. out for not participating correctly. Why do your disciples uh, harvest something to eat on the Sabbath? And Jesus gives them this uh, off-used uh, remark that I don't think we understand very well a lot of the times, that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. That it is a technology to better the human flourishing, the human experience, not the other way around. It hasn't been made to be served. It has been made as service. Yeah, that's beautiful. That'll preach there, Jeremy. I'm trying. I'm preaching over here. Preach Uh, it. There's... Let's let's keep you preaching it, Jeremy. Let's go to you. Okay. What's your vision? Let's do it. Cool. So I'm thinking um, my... I'm very structured when we use phrases like vision and mission. These are things that I'm really interested in. My capstone in seminary was on how to form a vision and mission for a community and how that can be a guiding document. So I've built a guiding document with this like thought experiment of almost, it's almost a a staff position in mind here that we've got someone who's going to be thinking about technology and connection and all of this if we had like a pandemics pastor uh, on staff i want that (laughs) (laughs) it could be their problem uh so i've built a guiding document for this moment um not the church as a whole this isn't a new church plant or something but this is right now what do we want so uh, the vision here vision is a desired future. So what do we want this to look like if it worked? And I've written that my vision for the pandemic church is an active congregation that engages in the mission of the gospel wherever it finds itself. The creative and intentional invitation to participation in greater and greater life. That Mm. if everything worked, wherever you found yourself as a member of this church, you would have opportunities for connection and gospel ministry that would allow you to better experience human flourishing and spiritual flourishing. The the church could be manifest through our ministry, 
to each other is sort of the vision. So the mission is how, how do we do that? What, are, what would you do to achieve this desired future? Um, our mission is to create a body of believers that understands that it is greater than the sum of its parts mm. through education, connection, accessibility, and worship. So I'm thinking about Paul's language of the church as body of Christ, that we're all, we've, we're our pieces and we are in places and we're good at stuff and we're bad at stuff and we're for things, but that in our unity, we're greater than any of those individual aspects. And so yeah. some of us will connect in different ways. Some of us will embody different ministries, especially at this time, they're some of our folks are older. They should not be out doing, <laughs> in scary quotes, ministry. Their ministry is going to be mostly enabled through technologies like the phone, mm-hmm. email, yeah. written word, Zoom. Um, and others have different capabilities that allow them to lock in in different ways to do ministry together, but that we understand that what we are doing as a whole is church. I think that's essential for congregational survival at this moment. So why do we do these things? That's our core values. What are the core values that guide us in this mission? Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I got seven. My rule is always no more than six. And I came up with seven. Seven is a holy number, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So that'll you've seven let me the off week. the liturgical yeah. hook. Um, core values, embodiment, and I'll, I'll circle back around. Yeah, I said the word, so it's good. Embodiment. <laughs> uh, number two is community and accountability. It's too easy to lose people right now. Um, mm, yeah, we have to find ways to continue to connect. And to expect people to connect. Um, We sent an email this past week to those who we haven't seen in Zoom Sunday School in a while, who that was something they were doing, and they've fallen off that maybe they've backslidden. Um, They're probably (laughs) fine. Uh, But we've sent them an email and said, hey, help us understand how we can build something for you and how we can involve you in creating something new that will minister to others community and accountability. We're not going to let people off the hook, even in this convenience-driven moment of the technology. We're not going to let convenience be the guiding principle here. Um, Worship has to remain a central aspect of our life together. And in worship, see, this is what happened. Number three became three and four. In worship, we must reach a, a sense of equality that... There is not a primary and secondary audience, but that there is one congregation. And we must treat the whole of this body of Christ that exists as the local church. We have to treat it as greater than the sum of its parts. The parts that show up in person are not more important than the live streaming parts or the Zooming parts or the I watch it recorded parts. That we have to have an equality of access and attention and priority for the whole. Um, The next one on here is curiosity, that we can't be complacent with the means, the tools, the techniques, and the technologies that we've chosen, that we must interrogate constantly what we're doing, um, that we should ask the why along with the how as frequently as we engage in using the technology. And the, the next one goes with it, and that's evaluation evaluating must be a core value of this moment that goes along with the curiosity that we ask the participants uh, if what they're doing is being experienced as Christian worship. Is this a nice thing or is this pushing you deeper into discipleship, further into the kingdom, deeper into your realization of yourself as human and your connection to community and your connection to divinity. Are you being located as a Christian soul? And I think I've made up a word for my last one. Hybridity. I think it's a made-up word, and it might be the name of my next band. We are hybridity! (laughs) Um, That in this season, when we are forced into 
physical separation, uh, that social isolation doesn't have to come along with physical isolation, and that we must find ways to hybridize our opportunities so that folks can find themselves in these spaces. Now, that's, that's a dangerous one, for me at least, because my mind wants to, I want to fix problems. Um, I don't know if that has to do with my Enneagram. I think I'm, I'm a three-wing too. Um, I want to fix stuff. I want to, I want to make things accessible. Accessibility has always been very important to me. And so in, in the season when everyone wants to offer me accessibility as an app or a, a technique or a technology, um, I should like, not. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll take that. Oh, I'll take that. Oh, that's mm-hmm. even better. That. And there's the hook yep. hidden in that worm um, that we need to find ways to achieve the goals that the technology is offering us without letting the technology take us with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That we there's there's our thing again that we evaluate what it's enabling and what it's obscuring, and that we do not make bad trades. The um, my enemy right now is the word just J U S T. People keep asking why don't we just and we can't. We can't <laughs> just do anything. We must think. We must evaluate. We we have to look for the hook. Oh, there, there you go. That goes on. That's a tweet. <laughs> look for the hook. Um, we have to look for the hook before we take the worm, or we're gonna get caught. I don't know why this is all about fishing now. Um, because we are fishers of men. Uh, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, so, thanks for for listening, everybody. And that's the that. show. No. <laughs> but that that is that that is my my vision, mission, and core values. What I would want the church to look like right now, if it, what I would want it to look like, is a body of believers that understands that it's greater than the sum of its parts. Why? So that we could achieve an active congregation that engages in the mission of the gospel wherever it finds itself through creative mm. and intentional invitation and participation in greater and greater life. That's awesome. If my mic wasn't attached to a stand, I would drop it. That's great. Well, I think that this all all three of our ideas were fantastic, right? <laughs> but also if for our listeners vote on whose was the we best would, we, we would encourage you to sit down and spend some time maybe you need to sit down and and go through your own idea of and your own vision of where you and the church or where you think your church can go or directions by holding on to these values so i think this was really good and i hope that this was helpful for you too this is, we're going to move on to our finding hope section. Uh, and this is our last one. This is our last finding hope. Um, we won't the, stop looking for hope after Of course, <laughs> Yes, of course. And I hope that you listening will not stop looking for hope too. I hope you're continuing to look for uh, places where you see hope in the world because uh, that is a important thing to always be doing, especially during this time um, while we're in a pandemic. So, uh, Jeremy, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've got I've got two pieces here. They're they're sort of the same okay. thing, but they're but they're two. Um, I had some really cool conversations in the last forty eight hours with people whose experience of scripture is expanding. That there is a sort of a moment of aperture happening in the the circles of church culture that I roll in, and so I had these conversations with people that are disconnected from each other that don't know each other. And all of them were saying the same thing about the scripture getting bigger for them in this season. And that's really exciting. Um, and one of those conversations was facilitated around, um, I've got a book that's in the works um, about the the Bible. So that was neat. Uh, people are... We're interested enough in a video series that I did that we've converted it, and it's in the process of becoming a book. So You're writing a book, Jeremy? Yeah. I've got a couple drafts out there, but one of them is in the process now. So we're, we've recruited Yay. people and teams, and it's in it's editing. 
Uh, get your get your selfless plug in right now. Go ahead. So go and f- so well, if you want me to plug, check out these plugs. If you're interested in any of my work, you can find a bunch of stuff at RevJeremyHall.com. And uh, besides this wonderful podcast, I host a podcast with David Gushy called the Kingdom Ethics Podcast. Go and find us over there. We um are tra- there's I mean there's no real ethical questions to deal with in this season. So, I mean, not much to talk about. If you're interested, we try to keep up with the world as it is and to talk about some of those issues, as well as sort of general Christian ethics questions. Um, And go and find me on Rev Jeremy Hall on YouTube, and you will find a series called The Bible is Irrelevant, and that is what is evolving into a full-length book. That's awesome. And that's me. exciting. Jordan, where are you finding hope in the world? Um, okay, so I feel like as a one on the Enneagram that I constantly am seeing the things that are wrong with the world or that are out of place. There are a lot of but things I've, that are wrong with the world right now for you to see. There are so many things that are wrong, and I pretty much have a solution for all of them if anyone wants to ask. But I also have been noticing how nice it has felt to connect with strangers during the pandemic because we're all wearing these face masks and it's all like all of our conversations are like not as good as they should be and like I'm only seeing people in the grocery stores like take out or walking down the street and um, everything just feels like I'm not getting the social connection that I should or that I want to be getting And then I go into the grocery store and I've had like some of the funniest, like most random interactions with people. I I feel like people are just becoming more vulnerable in situations with strangers uh, because of the mask thing. I don't know that they can kind of cover up like our mouths are covered and all you can see is like their expression through their eyes. It just it's a cool little opportunity, even though it's you realize that a lot has been lost when you can't see someone's face and yet human connection is still happening. That's great. So for me, uh, I've been finding hope and this is going to be a little cheesy, but it, it is truly deep in my heart. Um, in people that have stuck with us through eight episodes and that, uh, they've listened to our hour long conversations, uh, I was talking to Jordan originally and said, you know what, if even if only one other person listens to all of this, I hope that it will spark conversations for them. And that's enough for me in doing all this work. And we've had a lot more than just one person listen to uh, these podcasts. Uh, I think we, we, we found out like maybe one episode was downloaded in Australia. I don't know if that was a fluke, but <laughs> who knows? But all that to be said so is that... Um, I'm glad that our listeners have found this content helpful and important. And it's been very hopeful to know that uh, we're not the only ones thinking about this stuff, but other people do care about it and want to think through it and want to make their church community better. And that brings me a lot of hope in the midst of um, the world that we're currently living in. So Thank you, listeners, so much for being a part of this uh, conversation and this podcast. So that leaves us with the outro. This is it. Um, Jeremy and Jordan, this eight episode adventure has been fantastic. It has been so much fun. Uh, And, you know, Jordan, thank you so much for, you know, sparking these conversations with me and really being the driving factor on on direction and, and all of that. Jeremy, uh, you too on direction and conversations and also big shout out to Jeremy Hall for doing all of our recording and editing and putting it up online and, and all of that. This would not be possible without Jeremy Hall. So big shout out to you, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. And thank you again for listening. 
If you have enjoyed our conversations, please, please, please uh, give us a rating on iTunes. A good if one. If you have not already. Yeah, good one. I, you know what? At this point, I don't care. Just give us a rating. It helps us. I think we believe that this conversation, although we're done with episode eight, is still important. And there might be people that have not heard any of these episodes and need to hear it. They need to engage in this conversation. So also, please, please, please share if you have enjoyed this and want to share it with other people. It's a great way. Uh, we'll still have our Facebook page up. We have, uh, we'll put up our behind the scene, maybe a, a pre-recording of this. And if you have questions or concerns, please message us on Facebook or send us an email to our Gmail account, which is at virtuallychurch at gmail.com. We will still be checking that out. Even if you're listening to this months after we're done with the first, our eight episodes, we'll still love to talk to you about this topic. So thanks again so much for listening and we wish you the best. Goodbye. <laughs> Is that a good outro or should I redo that? No, that was perfect. <laughs>